In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing lessons learned from a religious school shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, the 2006 West Nickel Mines Amish School Shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look over the news tab. All right, so let's um, start in the Bible as we always do. This one is Ecclesiastes 9, verse 3, and it reads like this. This is an evil. The heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Good verse for us today because in this situation, certainly it was a madman. And certainly his heart was filled with evil and it resulted in some pretty extreme violence. People being killed, people being permanently injured and crippled for the rest of their lives. So um, before I do continue, I do want to remind you to share this program with people on your team, uh, the staff, other volunteers, and keep this conversation going. That's one of the most important parts of our job as being sheepdogs is really, especially here in America, to keep um, awareness, you know, keep, keep people aware of what's going on. I think it's too easy for a lot of us to think that this would never happen to us or it's something that happens over there and, um, or it just doesn't occur. And But we have to fix that misconception. We have to go out there and let people know what these, you know, the different crimes that are occurring to churches and at churches. And this one especially, violence is increasing. You know, I've told many of you before, if you've listened to a lot of my programs, is basically from 1999 to 2008, the average number of deadly force incidents at churches was about 17, resulting in about 20 people being killed per year. But then from 2008 to, you know, modern time to today, um, what you see is this, is for is that the number of incidents climbed 10, 10 times. It's 170 incidents per year now with an average of 70 people being killed at churches. So that's over triple. So we have something that's going on in the American church that I cannot fully explain um, other than it's becoming more violent. And we need to be prepared and we have to have these conversations with our fellow congregation, our fellow safety team members, staff, and other volunteers, so they're also aware, and then we can start taking real actions. And that's going to be the hope of today's show, is talk about some real things that we could do to safeguard our sanctuary. But let's get into the details of this. All right. Um, the driver of a tank truck picking up cans of milk from farms, mostly Amish, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, uh, lived in the next village south of Nickel Mines. On Monday morning, October 2nd, 2006, he finished his route, went home, took his kids to the school bus stop. After his wife left for a Bible study, he loaded tools and materials into his pickup truck and headed to north to Nickel, uh, Nickel Mines. Um, then he went to a one-room Amish school in White Oak, uh, on White Oak Road. His gear included three firearms 
ammunition, and zip ties. When he arrived at the nickel mine school about at about uh, 10.25 a.m., he pulled his truck up to the building. Everyone had just gone in from recess. Going in, he's brandished a handgun and ordered the boys to help bring in wood, nails, and tools. Then he told the boys and several adults to leave, holding the female students and a teacher hostage. However, the teacher got out with her mother, ran toward a nearby farm. Also escaping was a young girl who left unnoticed with her brother. Uh, the man had 11 remaining girls lie down, face down, um, uh, or lie down facing the wall, uh, then zip-tied them um, by their legs to each other. He boarded the doors from inside using the wooden nails and barricaded um, them with desks and tables. The intruder called his wife by cell phone and told her he had been dreaming of molesting girls, claiming he had molested two relatives when he was 12 years old. Judging from the jail he brought, he had been planning to sexually assault the Amish girls, um, something he ended up not doing, thank God. Uh, the teacher and her mother reached a nearby farm. The intruder yelled at them to stop or else, but they kept running. At the farm, they asked the owner to call 911, which he did. This call was made at 9.36 a.m., so um, just a minute or two later. Um, the dispatcher uh, notified the Pennsylvania State Police. Uh, before the police arrived, the, far the farmer and a dog went over to the school Approaching it from the blind side, the back of the building had no windows. As he was easing around to where he might get a peek through a window, the police arrived and he backed off. Arriving, um, the arrival of the police was at 1242. This is all happening very, very quickly. Interrupted the intruder's plans. They stopped on the road and called to him through speakers on the patrol car trying to talk to him. More officers arrived. The intruder told the girls, I'm going to make you pay for my daughter. He uh, called 911 on his cell phone and told the dispatcher that the police had better leave or he would kill the girls. Uh, the message did not get to them in time. The farmer and the police heard a volley of gunfire, then silence. And then the road was crowded with emergency vehicles and onlookers, including parents and neighbors. The police ran up the drive to the school. The front door was blocked, um, as was the rear door, so they broke through the windows. The room was riddled with bullet holes. The girls had been shot, most in the head. The killer was dead from a self-inflicted um, gunshot wound. So the killer, in this case, had been a well-liked, respected person, a good husband and father, a good worker. The knowledge of who did this was just shocking. It was as shocking as the incident itself to people that knew him. <clears throat> your, your, your basic situation of who would have thought this person would ever do it. Um, what was not known was his inner turmoil. Inner turmoil. Sorry about that. Um, his widow later told reporters that he was mentally ill. When he left the house that morning, the man left notes to his wife and each of their children. He had been depressed ever since the first child, um, their first child was born prematurely and died the same day. For several weeks before the shooting, he had been despondent. Um, there, um, there was more said in, 
in the call to his wife, he had felt guilt for molesting two relatives 20 years earlier when he was 12 years old. She asked him to come home and talk about it, but he said no. Investigators said that the relatives have no memory of the sexual abuse. It seems that he thought um, what he thought was molestation was not seen um, as such by others. Um, uh, it seems like that when he was beginning puberty then, and over uh, and over interpreted his feelings and his bodily reactions unnoticed by others. It may have just been arousal or perhaps a dream. However, he still felt guilt for two decades later. Um, sometime after the, um, their newborn daughter died, he felt that God was punishing him for youthful indiscretions. He said that he was angry with God. Um, I did not, uh, and there was no mention of him receiving counseling or anything like that. He had carefully planned his attack on the school. He did not have any grudges with the Amish. They were just an easy and available top um, target. Um, some people knew, um, some people he knew, including co-workers, noticed that he had been down for several weeks. Then about a week before the shooting, he returned to his jovial self, which is normal um, when, you know, suicidal people will do this, right? They're very depressed, but once they make the decision that they're going to kill themselves, they have this happiness, this joy that comes over them as they're anticipating their own death. Okay, so what I want to focus on here, lessons learned, is this, is obviously this school had little to no safety procedures at all for anything. There was no fence around the school. There was no gate. The doors were unlocked so anyone could come in. There was nobody watching or paying attention. Um, it was There's no cameras, no alarm system, no lockdown or lockout procedures. It was just completely fair game. And it it really makes me think about all the churches out there that I've spoken to that really have no safety posture. They don't keep their doors locked. They have no plans. They're basically just like this Amish school. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. You know, there might be someone like you with a firearm sitting in the sanctuary, and certainly that's a good thing, and that's better than nothing, but it's also very close to nothing. You know, if if you're taken out first, then you're you're not going to do anybody else any any good. Or if you're the only one, you know your your response time, your ability to get in there and do what you need to do. There's another factor that we always have to consider is this, and and you may not like listening hearing this, but we all have bad days, and so unless you have a lot of experience in combat situations, in deadly force situations, you really don't know how you're going to respond. Will you be able to jump up and do what you need to do? Now, there's a lot to be said for mental rehearsal. There's a lot to be said, much more to be said, for actual physically training to respond at your house of worship in a tactical, smart way to take steps. But there's no guarantee that you will do that. You might freeze in fear. You might be paralyzed. Your, your hesitation might be too long and resulting in people being killed. 
And so that's just, I mean, that's just the reality of these types of situations. So we have to be ready. We have to be trained. And the plan has to be more than we just have armed person or armed person sitting in our sanctuary. We got to go beyond that. We have to have lockout procedures, lockdown procedures. We have to have evacuation plans. In the case of the Amish school here, people were able to run out. So here's a truth of terrorist type situations is this. They're not interested in negotiating with you. They're not interested in negotiating with law enforcement. Their job is to kill as many people as possible and in short a time as possible and then potentially taking their own life or they're willing to die for what they're doing. So even though running from the building, running out all the doors, climbing out windows and scattering in all different directions would have resulted in some people being shot or could have resulted in some people being shot, you're still reducing the number. When you lay 11 victims, potential victims, down in a row where they can you know, become controlled through tie downs and boarding up window or board, you know, barricading the doors and stuff like that, the situation is only getting more dire and more risky for those people. So the only answer in this type of situation is violent response, right? Is, you know, neutralizing that killer as quickly as possible. Meanwhile, people are running. They're taking cover. They're finding shelter. And so that's a big part of what the Homeland Security teaches, right? It's, you know, run, hide, fight. We've all heard it a million times. There's a lot to be said for run, a lot to be said for it. Will it save everyone's life? Probably not, but we're gonna save as many lives as we possibly can. Get out of there, get away from this killer. And then if you can't run, you hide. You know, now one school, uh, you know, one room schoolhouse, you know, I don't know how many places there were to hide, but still that's, you know, potentially an option. Certainly for a lot of our churches, that becomes an option. And then finally, as those, those people are there, we have to teach people to fight. You're programmed to fight. I get that. But do you realize that you're probably one out of 10? Most people aren't wired like you. Normal people don't think about fighting back. They have to be trained just like you need to be trained, just like you've gone through the mental preparation to take action. People don't get that. And so we have to provide that. You know, if you're at a school or you're or you're part of a church and you have Sunday school and maybe you're the children's ministry and you have these different classrooms with, with kids of different ages and different classrooms, you can't just expect that people are going to know to shut the door, lock it, turn off the lights, hide, all that kind of stuff. You can't, you can't expect them to know that. You have to actually train that. You have to practice that. And if that's all you do, I mean, be honest with you. If we can, as children's ministry, if we can at least train to go into lockdown, that can save a lot of lives. It really can. And so please, please, please practice that. So that's basically it. I know it's a short one, but really what it comes down to is this. If you're completely a soft target because people are not prepared, they're not trained, they're not, um, no security or safety protocols in place, all that kind of stuff, you're a sitting duck. Just like 
this Amish school was. It was a sitting duck, super easy, soft target. We have to tighten things up a little bit. We got to harden our target just a little bit. Um, before I let you go, I just wanted to let you know, Happy New Year. I mean, here we are. It's uh, January 3rd. Um, we're, it's a new year, a time to get things done. Really a time to refocus on our safety ministries. And so I really want to encourage you to do that. In a few weeks, we're going to be starting the next quarter. And so if you want to jump on board now with yourself and, and or with your team and your church and staff, this is the time to do it. You got a few weeks to talk to the bosses, the people that you need to talk to and work through this plan and talk to your team members and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, our first class for the next quarter is January 29th. And so you'll want to be enrolled and ready to go before that date, hopefully a few days before that date, so we can talk and make sure that you're ready and your team's ready and all that good stuff. But by all means, this is a good time to enroll and get started with us for the new year. Other than that, thank you so much for joining me this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.